You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. You're listening to special programming brought to you by itswhereiam.com. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, good morning, Las Vegas. It's Zandra Pollard. It's where I am. Today, we have a special guest. We have former WNBA player, Eugenia Miller. Eugenia will be inducted into the SoCal Hall of Fame this weekend. Yes! Love my WNBA players. Saw an Aces game a couple weeks ago. Great time. Great time to have Eugenia here on the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so very much for inviting me to be a part of this show. I'm super excited to definitely uh, engage with you and pour into your audience. Oh, it's so great to have you here. You know, you are a busy woman. First of all, you are an (laughs) All-American for your college at Fullerton College. College. And you are being inducted into the Southern California Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Thank you so very much. I I greatly appreciate it. And let me tell you, it has definitely been a journey. It it wasn't easy, uh, especially coming in to college, not being able to catch a pass or shoot a free throw and to wind up being All-American, which is one of the top ten in the nation. And so that is, uh, that's nothing but God, let me tell you. So I'm, I'm grateful even for this induction uh, into the Southern California Basketball Hall of Fame. It's, it's pretty major considering you have NBA players, WNBA players, coaches that are going to be uh, inducted with the likes of Michael Cooper, Bill Ambeer, um, Paul Pierce, or just to name a few. And you. So, Eugenia, (laughs) you know, take us back. I want to understand what it was like to be a WNBA player back in the day, because, you know, we've made so many strides over the, you know, past few decades. It started out in the early 90s, right? Correct. And uh, 19, actually the latter part of the 90s. So, for the WNBA, 1997 was the inaugural season, oh, and okay. um, and I played in 1998. And so for for those of us who started around that time, of course, we are pioneers, right? Because women who wanted to play professional basketball, who wanted to continue playing after college, had to either go into a women's league here in America or play professionally overseas. And right. a lot of us that were able to did go overseas to play. Yeah, because um, you went over so, to uh, Japan, right? Correct. Okay. Yes, I played in Japan. I played for Japan Airlines, and we played against Mitsubishi, Toshiba, other companies had 
professional basketball teams, and and so we played against them, and I was there from uh, 91 to 93. Well, so what was it like for you all, you know, juggling school, and then, you know, a lot of times, you know, relationships, and then sometimes, you know, you have to think about, am I going to have a baby, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what is that like for women when they have to juggle, you know, family or career? in that field. Exactly. So I will, I will start with my collegiate experience, high school and collegiate experience. And then I'll transition into the WNBA and those, uh, you know, who are considering having a family or those who did have a family at that particular time. So for me, and I can speak to my personal experience uh, in high school, college, I I was faced with that um, because I had unexpected um, pregnancies. And so the decision that I made at that particular time was to not move forward with the pregnancy, um, the pregnancies. And I know a lot, I know a lot of young women are faced with that very thing every single day, every single day. Um, that was a decision that I made. However, uh, there's a saving grace in even sharing that particular story because as I moved on into the WNBA, God did show me some things. First of all, uh, I gained a value for life. And in it, uh, the role to the WNBA, uh, once I was there, there were five of us in the WNBA who were mothers. And so I was one of those. I eventually got married, had children. And just the journey to that platform as a mother, you know, God did show me that he can make a way even with children. And he allowed me to be able to play on the highest platform in this nation, and that is in the WNBA um, professionally with young children. It can be done, and he showed that to me years later. So it was a lesson learned that there isn't anything too hard for him, that he is able to make it happen, Uh, 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 even if it were delayed, because a delay is not a denial. And so it was was a lesson learned for sure. Now, I know you also work with youth now. Tell us about what you're doing in the community with youth. So I I speak at uh, middle schools, high schools, continuation schools, and for and I know that depending on where you're from in the nation, uh, middle school may be called junior high, and continuation schools may be called something different. So continuation schools are those students who are not able to be a part of the public school system. And because of behavior, uh, it, it could be a variety of reasons why they, they may have been kicked out. And so in sharing uh, an enrichment, parts of my enrichment program that I'm actually going to be going into, my passion is to awaken purpose in youth and young adults so that they may take ownership of their space, uh, be positioned for impact. And to do this together as a community, I want them to have that community uh, connection as well. So I have a, an enrichment program for youth, and in, in it, 
there is a mental health component because I I am utilizing the uh, national standards for mental health as well as the national standards for financial literacy. I think that is important to um, ensure that our youth are financially literate because I want to move the needle, not only with who they are and accepting their purpose, but understanding how to manage money, learning how to earn income, learning that the things that, that they are able to create products to sell, utilizing their gifts and talents and their purpose for being here because people want to pay what it is that they have to offer and what they can create. And so there's an entrepreneurial aspect to the enrichment program. So in a nutshell, it is them being their first best friend, um, being in right relationship with themselves, being in right relationship with friends, family, community, right relationship with food, right relationship with their purpose, and being in right relationship with money. It's an, again, that's an important component as well. So that's what I do. Uh, there was a time that I did speak at a continuation school, and I had shared one of the one of my own personal stories of the time that I had threatened to commit suicide. And uh, in sharing that, uh, that experience of, I just had enough. I had enough and I was back east and I wanted to leave. Uh, just a caveat to that, when I was in sixth grade, the summer after sixth grade, a decision was made for me to leave California um, leave living with my dad, where I was very happy, content, I, all needs were met, and go back uh, to live with my mom. And I actually made the decision at that time to go back just for the love of my mother. I didn't want her to feel alone because she, I have a, a brother that we share the same mom and dad, and he didn't want to go back. And so I didn't want her to feel alone and to feel unloved. So I made a conscious decision to go into poverty because that's what it was going to be. Oh, we wow. were homeless. We lived in somebody's okay. attic, somebody else's basement. Mm-hmm. Well, it came ahead, so that's sixth grade, right? It came ahead my junior year where I just had enough. Mm -hmm. And even though I had threatened to jump out of a third story window, I was sitting on the window pane of a third story building and threatened to just let it go in Mm -hmm. front of my mom. She was there. And at that moment, it was a cry for help because I made an action. I did an action. I made a decision in sixth grade for the love of her But I made a decision at that point in 11th grade for the love of myself. Now, if that was the only way that I knew how to do it was to threaten to do that, to take my own life. But it was a cry because I loved myself. I had to get out. I had to get out. And um, and that was the road that I took. So I shared that story and I asked the students afterwards to just write one word, one takeaway. And one of the young ladies had mentioned uh, suicide. And what she took away from that was to talk to someone, to talk to someone about what was going on. Well, I, when I collected all of their cards, I saw that 
actually uh, someone, my one of my godsons, brought it to my attention. He was there with me. He collected them, and he brought it to my attention. I showed it to the school administrator. I found out two weeks later that they did some investigating. They found out it was an actual threat. They had gotten her the help that she needed, and her family was so thankful oh, wow. that she's still alive and that she was willing and open to share with me uh, her, you know, thoughts of actually take, not even thoughts, it was an actual threat to take her own life. And so it was so important for us to give back to you, to, to be honest about our journey, mm-hmm. because it can and will be so impactful in the lives of youth. And so definitely that is what I have to offer makes an impact in the life of those who hear it. And so that's that's even more of a motivation to just be transparent about experiences because yes. I know that it will save someone else. Absolutely. And, you know, that's the reason why I have this show for people to understand that they are not alone. People experience right. the same things you do. Is how right. we handle them. Is right. how we handle the experience, right? Correct. So let's Correct. let's fast forward to college. I know you shared with me before um, during our phone conversation that you went through a time of depression. You were at the top yeah. of your game. You were, I think, you were in the paper for the most slam dunks or something like that. You were like at the pinnacle, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same yes. time, you had this depression over you. Explain that to me. Explain that more to our audience. Sure. You, yeah, so you can be. You can imagine. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just mm-hmm. imagining being depressed. If you can imagine whether it's your own personal experience or someone else's mm-hmm. experience, anxieties and anxieties, depression, um, everything else that can bring a person down and has brought people down. It could be a hormonal imbalance. It could just be just circumstances in life, overwhelmed, being overwhelmed. And as an athlete, we're human. We're just doing and performing a particular sport. So what happens when the athlete is in that same situation, but still expected to perform at a high level. Now, if you can just imagine being depressed and you don't want to get out of bed, well, that's not an option. We have to perform. So in, in those, and for me in particular, I know that I just went inward. I stopped talking to people, I shut down, and I just performed. And just like you said, just throughout the years of uh, my college experience, again, going from not being able to catch a basketball, not being able to shoot free throw, to becoming All-American, holding so many different records at Cal State. Now, that's a national honor, All-American, but having college um, accomplishments and honors and breaking records and holding records, and then at the end of the day, finding out that I scored the most points and grabbed the most rebounds out of any woman that's ever played in the history, but not only that, any male that has ever played at that school. So to come through 
that is for me like just totally amazing but i will say one thing that just changed the game for me my coach brought in someone that helped us to visualize just meditate on seeing ourselves perform at a higher level and and taking that visualization exercise to the rest of my athletic and and college career and even beyond really helped to propel my performance. So, but how no did matter, you get out of that mm-hmm. depression? Because that's what I'm gonna you know, say. Because when you're, yeah. Because nowadays we have mental health professionals that are working with athletic teams, which is wonderful. But back then mm-hmm. we did not. So, correct. How did you move past that depression? It was a matter of speaking, visualizing, speaking life, visualizing, um, seeing myself succeed. And no matter, it's like that, like you said, we didn't have the type of resources then that there are available now for athletes, for student athletes. But suck it up, buttercup. We have things to do. And that visualization is what helped it for me. So meditating and and visualization is what helped my performance. Now, does that mean depression didn't try to come back or a situation being triggering? One of the things that I definitely want to help have people understand is people going into sports or music or theater, that can be their escape from reality. That's their free place. They can, they are getting accolades or they're being acknowledged, whether it be individual or as a group, they're Mm. contributing to a bigger community that is outside of whatever circumstance may be going on that is unpleasant. That's their escape. What happens? What happens when your reality collides with your safe space or your escape? And that's one of the things that I experienced in college was that food insecurity that I experienced as a kid. Mm -hmm. That was a part of my experience started to invade my escape, which was on the court and experiencing the food insecurity, even in college and not having enough to eat. And, um, you know, just people leaving groceries, at my door um, because I didn't have enough to eat. You know, 6'2", 135 pounds, 7% body fat. I was, I was, I weighed a buck 50. Mm. And so, <laughs> and 50 cent of that was the clothes. So um, it, it just, for me, I had a double whammy because the reality started to creep in to that safe space and that competitive space for me. Mm -hmm. But again, when my coach brought someone in from the outside to help us to be able to meditate and visualize uh, where where we wanted to be, that changed the game for me. Because I began to visualize not only how I wanted to perform on the court, but also in life, how I saw myself, yes. the things that I wanted to achieve, that those things are possible. So those journaling, 
journaling is is a way to definitely help. Having an accountability partner, um, those check-ins, those yes. accountability partners that can check in on you. For me, uh, like I said, I just shut down regarding talking and sharing with my teammates, or mm-hmm. and they were my friends, but my teammates. Uh, it, I really did hold on to the visualization and meditation as a way to help cope during my college days. Okay. Well, so you have the Eugenia Miller. Uh, is it a foundation or what is the uh, right website that a, you have now? Mm-hmm. It's com, And for those who don't know how to spell uh, the way that I spell my name, Eugenia, it's E-U-G-E-N-I-A Miller.com. And I'll just uh, say one more time. E as in Edward, U, G as in girl, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, I-A Miller.com. And it's an LLC right now. I'm going to be completing paperwork to uh, have it be a, a nonprofit. Okay. Organization. So mm-hmm. I know you go to different schools, so mostly in uh, Southern California. Is this where you go and speak to the youth? Yes. However, I am able and willing to travel okay. uh, nationwide. That is not a problem at all. And I'm familiar with Zoom. Um, uh, I, I can do Zoom as yes, well in a yes. classroom or a school, you know, auditorium. That's not a problem at all. You know, I'm just so thrilled that um, because I'm a teacher as well. And I'm so thrilled that I was in the uh, lunchroom and I was speaking to one of my colleagues and I mentioned that you would be on the show. And she's a former basketball player. And she got excited, too. She says, oh, yes, I know her. So I want to give a (laughs) shout out to Miss Dash out there. I want to say hello to her. And I want to thank you. Yes. And I want to thank you. I'm so, so pleased and happy and proud of your accomplishments and your induction into the Southern California Basketball Hall of Fame. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Are there any last words you'd like to uh, give our listeners before I let you go? Just really, yes, not to give up. Really not to give up. Uh, You are not alone. We all have common experiences even those things that are unspoken, definitely reach out, get help if you need help. And you know it, you know it when you do. And not to be in denial. And sometimes we do need help. We can't do it ourselves. And that whole mentality, first of all, the stigma of yes. getting counseling in our community, we have to get rid of that. That That's old. That's old. And right. it's damaging. And that's how things are passed down from generation to generation to generation mm-hmm. and how addictions begin and are passed down. So because of the exposure. So definitely don't give up. You have purpose for being here and you have purpose for you have th- those gifts and talents on the inside of you that we need. We need that from you. And we needed it in the, the full capacity. You full know, capacity. someone was telling me that they were um, kind of, I guess you would say embarrassed um, that they knew that others, that other people knew about 
their mental health condition. So when you brought up stigma, it reminded me of uh, this person. And this person was um, crying and upset Mm -hmm. because she felt exposed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I told Mm -hmm. her, I told her how brave she was to seek the help and forget about what anyone is saying to you about Mm -hmm. receiving the help. You are the strong one because we all need it. We all do. There is no uh, exception. Yes. So I I want to thank you again. Congratulations once again. And we will stay in touch. This definitely. Thank you so much. This was Eugenia Miller. Thank you. All right. 91.5 Jazz and More. You know, I'm here every Saturday at 7.30 a.m. If you've missed any portion of this podcast, you know, you can always find it on your favorite social media platform. It's where I am with Zandra. And that's all you need to do. So we'll talk to you next week and have a great day. But for now, let's listen to some Beyonce, Break My Soul.
Justify love. We go round in circles, round in circles, searching for love. 